Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. Do you worry that your business will collapse without you constantly being involved? Are you sacrificing your relationships with your family, your friends, even your own freedom to keep your business alive? What if your business could run itself and at the same time continue to grow and turn a profit? Well, it's possible and it's easier than you think, says our guest today, Mike Michalowicz. Here's Mike on his definition of delegating. Many entrepreneurs will compromise sheltering their time, be fully devoted time-wise to their business, compromising their lives. And so I wrote Clockwork to um, help entrepreneurs aspire to what I define as the true entrepreneurial vision, which is to have other people, other resources running the business. Not to be the person that's doing the work in the business, but to be the person that's designing the outcomes for the business. And here's Mike as he turns that parent-child relationship with a business that most business owners have on its head. I think most people related, can relate to the saying that um, my relationship with my business is a parent-child relationship. I gave life to this business. I'm the parent. I am now nurturing it, protecting it, serving it. Over time, it'll get its own strength and it'll give back to me. And I want to call BS on that. I, I don't think we have a parent-child relationship with our business by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's one of conjoined twins, in fact. We'll start talking business now with Mike right after this message from our sponsor, Interobang Solutions. Would you like to position your company as an industry thought leader, increase engagement, and build credibility with prospects and clients? Establish your influence as a trusted resource? Interobang Solutions offers full-service writing and publishing solutions that deliver your company's messages with a bang. You can count on us to provide turnkey solutions that support your existing marketing and communication staff or act as your full-service outsourced partner. Interobang Solutions, providing custom writing, editing, and publishing solutions. Call 913-676-7272 or visit www.interobangsolutions.com. That's 913-676-7272 or www.interobangsolutions.com. We're talking business now with Mike Michalowicz. He's the author of several books on growing a profitable business, including Profit First, Surge, and The Pumpkin Plan. By his 35th birthday, Mike had founded and sold not one, but two companies, one to a private equity and another to Fortune 500. Today, he's running his third multi-million dollar venture, Profit First Professionals. Mike is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and the former business makeover specialist on MSNBC. Over the years, Mike has traveled the globe speaking with thousands of entrepreneurs just like you. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Mike talks with us about his newest book release, Clockwork. 
He offers a seven-step path to gaining control of the daily grind as a business owner and living life on your own terms. Mike, it's great to be talking with you again. Welcome. Kelly, it's a joy to reconnect. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Before we get into those seven steps that I just mentioned, let's talk about why you wrote this book to begin with. Why Clockwork and why now? Great question. Uh, I came across this thing called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, which I'm I'm sure many people are familiar with. It was relatively new to me, at least conceptually. I, I sought to understand this. And I believe now, I'm pretty emphatic about it, that many, that our businesses actually live through their own hierarchy of needs. Now, it's different than the personal needs. Like Maslow says, in our personal lives, we need uh, food and shelter and so forth, self-actualization being the highest level. In our business lives, our business needs, what I consider the most foundational level, which is sales, the oxygen for a business. If you don't have sales coming in, your business is gasping for air. But once you have some sales, inbound revenue, the next level up the hierarchy of needs for a business is profitability. Profitability is the equivalent of food and nutrition. Sadly, businesses that are starving for profit, they're, they're depriving the business of food and nutrition, actually try to sell more, which is basically gasping for air when you're starving. It doesn't fix it. Um, and many businesses will actually wilt away because they haven't addressed the profitability. Once you get past the foundation of sales and profit, the next level up is what I consider shelter, which is the protection of time. Mm-hmm. And that's what Clockwork is about, is many entrepreneurs will compromise sheltering their time, be fully devoted time-wise to their business, compromising their lives. And so I wrote Clockwork to um, help entrepreneurs aspire to what I define as the true entrepreneurial vision, which is to have other people, other resources running the business. Not to be the person that's doing the work in the business, but to be the person that's designing the outcomes for the business. So that's why Clockwork is why I wrote it, and the subtitle is Design Your Business to Run Itself. That's what I'm hoping to serve to entrepreneurs. Yeah, and and so often, as you say, people start a business thinking it's going to give them a life of freedom, and they just end up with a business being uh, really an anchor that deprives them of relationships and sanity and you name it. So let's talk about the seven steps that I mentioned. The first one has to do with categorizing your work. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so there's four basically levels of work that an organization must do, but we have to master the mix of these four things. I call them the four Ds. Uh, So quickly, the the base level is doing. Every organization needs, needs to be doing work that derives benefit to the customer's or doing work that supports the deliverable of a benefit to a customer. So that could be anything from you know, the administrative work to sales to the actual activity that's supporting the customer. That's the doing level. Uh, the next level up is called deciding that businesses go through. And this is where someone is making decisions for others. Often as an entrepreneur business grows, the entrepreneur first is doing all the work. They decide to make some hires. And those hires, they're making the decisions for them. You know, I, you, I may be your new employee, Kelly, and you assign me work. I come back a second later and say, oh, should, those invoices you want me to make, how should I sort those? You give me a decision. I come back a second later and say, oh, should I build in increments of, of an hour or 15 minutes? And you give me a decision. And the trap here, though, is th- this prohibits the growth of the business because the entrepreneur becomes the only single mind for all these different arms of the organization. And... Um, the, the entrepreneur often will get frustrated at this point saying, well, you know, is everyone an idiot? They can't figure this out. I'm going to get rid of these people, and I'm going to do it all myself. 
and then they get frustrated and exhausted because they're now going back to the doing phase of doing all the work. The only way out of that deciding phase is the next level, which is delegating. Many people don't understand what delegating is. Delegating is the assignment of outcomes. So you don't say, hey, Mike, go invoice. That's not a task. What you say is, we are responsible for building our clients accurately and timely. That is going to be your job. Do you understand that outcome? And we come to agreement on it. And then you say, okay, we have best practices, how the organization's done to this point. But as you face challenges or questions, your job, Mike, is to make decisions. I hired you not just for your abilities on your hands, but the ability in your mind. You must make decisions that you feel are in the best interest of the organization. That's what delegation is, the assignment of outcomes. Now, the, the challenge here, of course, is the entrepreneur themselves, because first of all, it's very hard to uh, assign someone task, but gosh, if they make bad decisions, that's mm, a real yeah. problem. Yeah. So what we need to do is when they make any decision, we actually have to reward it. When an employee makes a decision that's not right, we still have to say, you know what? It's not what we wanted, but congratulations on making a decision that you felt was in the best interest of the company. I hired you for your decision-making. I'm proud that you made a decision. Now, I want you to find a way to improve on this and fix it and make more decisions, but go, go, go. I'm proud of you. That's where entrepreneurs often fail. We say, you know what? You're, you're a fool. You made a mistake. I'm going to take this back. That brings us back to the deciding phase, which then pushes us back down to doing. So we need to truly delegate. The highest level is designing, and designing is where we have clarity on an outcome we want to achieve, a vision, if you will, uh, and making tactical and strategic decisions on a regular basis to navigate all of our resources, to choreograph all of the organizational resources to achieve that outcome as efficiently, as effectively as possible. Entrepreneurs, as I teach in Clockwork, need to spend a good portion and a growing portion of their time in the design phase the thing is, this is not a switch. It doesn't happen overnight. We need to slowly pull you out of doing very surgically and carefully and move you on to designing. Okay, so the 4D mix, doing, deciding, delegating, and designing. Now, on the step two, you have to identify the critical role that your business success depends on. Talk to us about how you come to agreement on what that critical role is. So the... The critical role is called the QBR, and that's an acronym I came up with when I was studying organizational efficiency. I found what I believe to be the most efficient organization in the world that can teach us all lessons, and it's a beehive. Um, so I'm using the term organization a little bit loosely here. We as business owners can learn from them. Every bee in the beehive knows what the most critical role is that their survivability, if you will, depends on, and it's the QBR. That's the laying of eggs is the queen bee role. Now, the reason eggs are so important is that if uh, there's no eggs being laid, the hive will die out very quickly because they have a very short lifespan. So their survivability and therefore thrivability depends on the laying of eggs. The point of confusion entrepreneurs have, they say, well, that means the queen bee is the most important bee. That's not necessarily true. The queen bee is serving the most important role, but the queen bee is expendable. If she fails to produce, they will spawn a new bee, new queen bee. In our organization, Every company has a critical function that the survivability and thrivability of the organization is contingent upon. So this function that the beehives use also applies to our business. Every organization has a QBR, a queen bee role. It is the critical function that your organization's success just hinges on. I mean, your survivability and thrivability depends on it. The thing is, most organizations have no clue what it is. 
And therefore, we're actually trying to improve everything in our business. And we wonder why our business doesn't grow or uh, actually even even wilts. So what we have to do is identify this QBR. Once we identify it, we must protect it. The bees, they protect that queen bee, so she's always producing eggs. And if she's failing to produce, they will do things to help her produce, feed her, protect her. And if that's not working, then they'll replace her. Well, in our organization, I think a good parallel or analogy we can use uh, is FedEx because it's a well-recognized brand. But this applies not just to large corporations. It applies, it's not even more so small businesses. But FedEx has a brand promise. We all need to know what our brand promise is. And our brand promise is the one most important deliverable that our clients are benefiting from, the reason they buy from us. What's the number one you know, offering? And for FedEx, it's the delivery of packages on time. Well, yeah, so that's the brand promise. We then peel back the onion and we have to ask ourselves, what's the one activity that supports the delivery of that promise? And for FedEx, it's logistics. You know, they move packages around quickly and efficiently, and they focus a lot of time on that. So for our businesses, anyone listening in, we got to think, what's the one most important thing we do uh, that we promise? Then peel back the onion one layer and say, what is the most critical activity? And I know there's many things that support your brand promise, but what, what's the one thing that takes priority over everything else? That's the QBR. That's the most critical function to your business. And what I teach in clockwork is we need to protect it, we need to serve it, we need to grow it. As that goes, so does our organization. And if we can improve on that, we will improve radically on our organization. And that leads us right into step three, which was, you really already said it, which is elevate that QBR and your business elevates and your business is efficient and uh, everything flows from there. Exactly. And it's really an educational process too. We as entrepreneurs need to realize what it is. As we grow our team, we need to educate them too. And this isn't just employees. This is contractors, virtual assistants, anybody that we work with. They need to know what the heart of our organization is and that it needs to always be priority over everything else. Yeah, and your step number four is something that really amazes me that so many businesses are successful in spite of really not following this step. And that has to do with systems. Why are they so important? Yeah, so systems, you know, that's just the standard and the repeatability for any organization. When a process is done the same way every single time, of course the benefit is to the customer and their expectations, they're met consistently. But secondarily, if there's problems, since it's always done consistently, once we fix the problem one time, it fixes across the board. The, the, the other problem, though, or, or the challenge we face as business owners is writing SOPs, preparing checklists, very time-consuming. And in modern times, there's another issue that when you write an SOP, the process that you might be writing about may become irrelevant even before you publish it. I mean, I wrote a process for our shipments of books. We, sh- we ship a lot of uh, books out of our facility. And when, we, when I wrote the process, uh, I wrote it to the standards of the Postal Service's website. The day I released it to the person that was going to manage it now, the website was updated and the entire SOP was irrelevant. Sure. So the problem with this is, is, yeah, technology makes our SOPs irrelevant. So what do we do? There's a new approach, and now we can lever technology to be our ally, and I call it capturing. So we don't document systems. We now capture them. What I mean by capturing is as we do the activity, we use some kind of capture tool. If it's on a computer, you can use a screen capture software. If it's a physical movement of a product or your 
some verbal commands, you can use your smartphone to record it. But now what I do is, if it's shipping books, I record the process of how we use the Postal Service website. Um, I record it as I do it, so I'm actually doing the work anyway. Mm -hmm. I then transfer that video to my person minutes later after I've completed it, so it's immediate. Then they start following the process. But remember, we're empowering employees here, back to that delegation phase. So what I have the employee do is I say, watch this video. This is our current best practice. But what I want you to do is do the process a few times and then record a new video to replace us. That's a better practice. The hidden secret is this, that the best student in the room is always a teacher. So if I get my employees teaching the system, I know they've mastered the system. Right. That's brilliant, actually. You keep talking about employees and delegating to employees and, and giving them the ability to make decisions and so forth. You have another philosophy about the employees, which really is is broader. It's about the team. And that has to do with step five. You capture that in step five in balancing the team. Yeah. So what I found about balancing teams is the traditional approach for organizations is they match people's talents to their titles. So I say I need a receptionist who needs to be great on the phone, needs to be a great greeter, uh, he needs to do data entry, um, and I may list off a few other things he needs to do. The thing is, when I start interviewing, I'm trying to find someone that matches all these things. We hired someone here in our own office who is extraordinary on the phone, a wonderful greeter, but is not strong in data entry or light accounting, which we had in our receptionist role. And we almost said, you know what, we can't hire this person. But then we followed our own medicine, what I ultimately documented in Clockwork, and said, wait, let's match this person just to that capacity of being on the phone and greeting. There's not enough work for them just to do that. But in our sales title, one of the things is someone that can really be um, effective on the phone uh, and, and communicate to the customer at the initial stages when they're inquiring about us. So now we've matched, instead of someone's talents to their title, mm -hmm. we've matched their talents to tasks. And now we have a much more web-like structure. What I'm arguing in Clockwork is don't use the pyramid structure of titles like we've done traditionally. Make a web-like structure where you're using people's strengths and matching it to where the strengths can be levered or leveraged. Yes, and it might go across departments, like you just said. It went it went from exactly. receptionist to include some work in sales. So in number six, you talk about commitment to community. Now, you're not talking about the larger community, like the city that you're doing business in. You're talking about a customer community. Talk to us about that. Yes. Yeah, and a lot of people say, Mike, this is totally backwards. <laughs> you don't You don't start with uh, the, you start with the client, you don't end with the client. And I'm saying that's actually wrong. What we need to do is first identify a process where we, we uh, identify our strengths. It's funny, when we're talking offline, you're talking about that project or now business that you're developing with your daughter. It speaks to your strengths. That's the right way to start. What is our inherent strengths? Then channel those strengths and improve our processes for an existing client base that we have. But then, once you've really mastered your routine, identify the customers that you already have that it resonates with most or new clients. Target them specifically. Now you're bringing a super strength to a community, and you'll be heralded by that community, and you'll be a niche specialist. So it's interesting. First focus on you, then the customer. Not what we've been taught. The customer doesn't come first. You come first. Which takes us to step seven and what our listeners have been dying to know, and that is, how do I break free? Tell us your formula for that. Yeah, yeah. So the, the seven steps we went through is a process of doing it. Um, but there's a final thing we need to do. 
I first want to start off with an analogy. I think most people related can relate to the saying that um, my relationship with my business is a parent-child relationship. I gave life to this business. I'm the parent. I am now nurturing it, protecting it, serving it. Over time, it will get its own strength, and it will give back to me. And I want to call BS on that. I, I don't think we have a parent-child relationship with our business by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's one of conjoined twins, in oh. fact. <laughs> I, I think you know we share critical organs, a heart, shared legs. Like We are two bodies are connected. So as the business goes, so do I, and so as I go, so is the business. Therefore, the separation is a very surgical and methodical process. We need to slowly extract ourselves from the business. Otherwise, it would hurt or kill, theoretically, both of us. So clockwork is about doing this as a throttle. We slowly remove ourselves. One massive component or commitment we need to make, and this may sound outrageous, but it's critical, is declaring a four-week vacation. And what I'm saying is take, not tomorrow, but maybe 18 months to two years from now, declare a four-week period where you will physically and digitally disconnect from the business. The business needs to run without you because the ultimate test of a business that can run itself is if the owner is absent, does the business continue to sustain and grow? And if you remove yourself from a business for four weeks, for most of us, a business will touch on all of its elements, attracting prospects, uh, converting those prospects to customers, maybe hiring people, addressing internal issues, all that stuff happens. And if that can happen in your absence without any of your active input, now you have a business that's running like clockwork without you, independently. The only way we're going to get there is if we make the commitment to departing, then we'll have an instant mind shift saying, whoa, I can't, the business can't run on my shoulders anymore. I need now to find a way to pull off this four-week vacation. And in the book, I explain you know, step-by-step step how to do this, how we run tests. We take short mini vacations or depart from the business to see how it runs. We do debriefing with our team. And I've even found micro-businesses, businesses of one, can remove themselves from a business for a very extended period if they leverage their network of um, of vendors, uh, perhaps virtual and part-time help, they can leverage that and have the business run independently. So the last and best part is when you remove your business fully, it now frees you up to do what you want, when you want in your life, but also in your business. Like we don't have to be removed from our business. We can now insert ourselves in a way that we get joy and satisfaction. That's the power of the four-week vacation. It's bold, but it's a critically important. Yeah, it, it's incredibly bold. But as you say, you lay out uh, the groundwork for eventually being able to achieve that. You don't just uh, do that tomorrow. As you said, you do have to build up to it. And really, it's kind of that carrot. I mean, if you get kind of sidetracked from if somebody listening today says, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm going to follow this process. And then, you know, they start it and start getting sideways. That four week vacation in 18 months to two years is a huge carrot to get right it, back on track. Yeah, yeah, I'm about to go on my next one in three months from now. And so we've had internal meetings leading up to it, uh, preparing for this. The, the wonderful thing is it empowers your team. Now, we started off very small years ago. We now have 10 employees, so we've grown, but we're still a small business. Mm -hmm. And my colleagues are stepping up, um, so much so that we've actually now declared that our employees – now, this is not in the book, but our employees are even going to start four-week vacation wow. vacations. So, so now we're starting this cross-training of how do you go away for four consecutive weeks. The, the beautiful, magical thing is a business that is – dependent on the owner 
is of less value to acquirer mm-hmm. than one that's not dependent on the owner. So the less dependency a business has on you, that the more systematized it is, the more valuable it is to an acquirer. So that's the beautiful, beautiful benefit. As you do this for yourself and ultimately your colleagues too, if you so desire, your business is getting more and more of its own legs and you'll dictate a premium should you ever elect to sell the business. Right. And I like the way you are doing the cross-training so that the associates in your business can take these four weeks vacations. Because in so many small businesses, the person who is doing, oh, I'll take my former business, the person who's doing graphic design is actually the graphic design department. And that's so true. If if she's gone, graphic design doesn't happen. And so so to make to force people to think about how are we going to do that if something should happen, she will, she leaves in no notice or whatever it is. I mean, that's just... And it happens all the yeah, time, Yeah, it right? does. It absolutely does. Which leads me to the next thing. And we've been talking about clockwork the book, but yeah. it's really more than that. It's a system, and you have a clockwork kit that you can yeah. get through your website. Tell us about that and, and how it works. So... Um, what I found is as, as entrepreneurs have started reading Clockwork, it's very clear from the get-go as they're releasing the manuscript that employees need to be engaged in this process too and excited about it. So I set up a website. It's called clockwork.life. Um, access to it. Everything's free. What I have up there is a virtual Clockwork kit. And that means you can um, – there's, there's videos. There's, there's a coaching recording session I did with, uh, with the company. It's an hour recording so you can kind of have a fly in the wall, listen in on a business being coached through this process. Um, there is a, a quick start guide where you have a one sheet or you can pin above your desk as you go through the clockwork process. And there's tools to enable your team to analyze where you stand, get a baseline, and to move forward. So um, yeah, you just go to clockwork.life. It's available now. Everything's free. Just put in your email and we'll send you the entire kit. Virtually. Wow. Yeah. So so great benefit there listening to the show today. Clockworklife.com. You can get the Clockwork Kit for free. Where can we get the book? Uh, the book's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble's, bookstores, airports, <laughs> anywhere you go. <laughs> Amazon usually has the best price if you're looking for the best deal. Okay. Amazon.com. Mike, thanks for joining us on this episode of Talking Business Now. We really appreciate your time today. Oh, it's been a joy, Kelly. Thanks for having me. You bet. We appreciate the support of our sponsor, Interobang Solutions, providing writing, editing, and publishing service. Give them a call at 913-676-7272 or visit interobangsolutions.com. And thank you for tuning in today. Please be sure to join us for the next episode of Talking Business Now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.